mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome to another episode of the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am Sean, your host and moderator, and with me tonight, as always, Sean P. Say hello, Sean P. Good evening, everyone. So, the moment that you have all eagerly been waiting for, yes, this is our Moto Z2 Play review. So, I had an opportunity to spend about two weeks with the device, and Sean P. has had about a week straight of using it. He has configured it, as did I, uh, in uh, basically a mirror fashion to his daily driver, and used the device uh, very much so, it sounds like, during the last week. I used it on and off uh, during the course of my two weeks as well, more so the first week, and then I tried to play a little bit around with the mods in the second week. So, we'll cover our uh, five pointed star of highlights for the device, what we liked, what we didn't like, and then we'll talk a little bit about the mods at the end as well and decide if the Moto Z2 Play is worth your hard-earned cash. Shall we begin, sir? Yeah, and perhaps before we do, thank you Motorola for sending us a review unit. It was really cool of you guys. The package comes with mods and cell service and the whole deal, so thank you. Absolutely. Big shout to Motorola and their marketing affiliates for making this happen, and uh, Hopefully we'll get an opportunity to do some more as well. So looking forward to it. With that said, uh, let's begin. I think the first area that we want to talk about is hardware. Do you want to go first or shall I? I can go first. Um, do it. Do it. So we kind of rate everything on a five points scale here, and I gave the Moto Z2 Play a three point five out of five. It's you know, in hand, when I first got it, I couldn't believe how light it was. I think it was my first impression. It's light and thin, to the point where it almost feels like a toy. Compared to my daily driver, the Galaxy S8 Plus, it's quite a lot lighter. And even compared to the iPhone 6, I think it probably feels lighter in hand. Uh, it's got the 16.9 screen ratio, so it still has a fair bit of bezel top and bottom, but... I have to say, like, you know, if you put it side by side with one of the newer 18.9 phones, it does look like it has a lot of bezel, but when you're actually using it, it's really not a big deal. It reminds me of the OnePlus 5 in, in that area. And I compared it to the Pixel as well, and it reminds me a lot of that too. Yeah, it has, you know, it has the front-facing fingerprint scanner, and then it has virtual on-screen buttons as a default, and I know you can use the fingerprint scanner kind of as your buttons if you want, but... I prefer to actually have the buttons on screen, so it's kind of a weird use of space. It has a absolutely ginormous camera hump, probably the, God, it might be the largest camera hump I can remember. I don't know if you can come up with something offhand. It's pretty big. Um, I, I can't think of anything except for maybe the previous Z2 Play, which I think we kind of teased a little bit as looking like it had a recycled Moto 360 slapped onto the back of it. So, but yeah, yeah nothing else jumps to mind. You know, it's got the metal frame and it the back is definitely, it feels kind of plasticky and hollow, definitely not super high quality stuff for me, but uh, you know, with a case on overall, the design's fine. Uh, in, in daily use, I never, none of these things were gripes. It was totally, it's comfortable to hold, comfortable to use. It's not too big. Fine. And I think uh, in the interest of full transparency, again, I think what we're trying to do primarily is review the device in a vacuum, not necessarily comparing it to the previous generation model uh, or any of the other line of Moto Z devices that are out right now, but just kind of taking it on its own merits. And having said that, uh, I'm giving the device in terms of hardware a four out of five. Um, 
Yeah, it's got the 16 by 9 aspect ratio, um, but like my daily driver, the Pixel XL, which it, again, compares very favorably to an overall footprint, um, didn't bother me. Uh, the front-facing fingerprint scanner for me, I found to work well, and the placement of it was fairly easy to get used to. Um, I did not particularly care for the uh, use of the capacitive fingerprint scanner as the gestures thing. I prefer the on-screen buttons myself because that's what I'm much more used to, and especially it kind of as we'll touch a bit a little bit later on in the performance section. It runs mostly stock Android, so um, I found that having the on-screen buttons was best for me. Um, it is very thin and it is very light, so um, in some ways it's actually thin to the point of being uncomfortable. I actually much preferred using the phone when it was in the case that we got or when it had the style shell mod slapped onto the back of it. It gave it enough thickness to make it really comfortable to hold in hand, but the display is nice. It gets bright enough. Uh, if you're indoors a lot, like I am at least, it worked just fine. Uh, it's an AMOLED display, so colors are nice and punchy. The blacks are deep and black. Um, I found it to be overall a solidly uh, put together device and um, the only thing keeping it from being you know ultra premium obviously is the form factor and the, the fact that the display is um, full HD instead of quad HD so but other than that I, I, I liked it I liked it quite a bit actually yeah, and then there's nothing about it that bothered me. The hardware itself is absolutely fine. The fingerprint scanner for me feels a little bit slow compared to some others I've used. It feels like it's a couple generations behind. It really reminded me a lot of my Note 5 fingerprint scanner where most of the time it gets it, but every once in a while it just feels a tick slow and it misses. But um, overall, I, the design is kind of unremarkable but solid. It, it's fine. And I did do a short uh, demo video, which is up on our YouTube channel. So if you want to head on over to um, silicontheory.com, you can find the social links there. Click on that. That'll take you to our YouTube site. And um, you can see the demo that I did comparing it to the Pixel's fingerprint scanner as well as the iPhone 6S fingerprint scanner. So check that out. And part of the uh, feel of the hardware is how it performs with the software. So let's, um, let's talk about performance a little bit. I'll go first. Um, I gave it a 4 out of 5. I found it to be pretty snappy. Um, scrolling through recently owned, uh, recently opened apps uh, seemed to go pretty well. Overall, things were pretty smooth. A little bit of hiccup here and there. I did not find it to be uh, overly quick, but I didn't find it to be overly slow either. At this price, at this price point in a mid-tier device, um, I found it to be basically slightly above what I expected, which I thought to be a good thing. For me, it runs stock Android, which is always a huge plus, with a few tweaks on top. the uh, I found the Moto Assist uh, and the Moto Display to be a little glitchy for me, uh, so I ended up turning it off. Um, not a deal breaker, but just was kind of a little bit buggy. Some of the other reviews that I read on other sites said that they experienced that as well. Others did not. So um, what, did you, what did you think about its performance, John? The performance is very, I said this in the review and I'll say it again, very solid in my opinion. It's, because it's running stock Android, I think it has a Snapdragon 626, which is an octa-core A53 chip, which is kind of in the mid-range, but I never ran into any issues with multitasking, launching apps, playing games, everything moved along swiftly. Um, you know, as far as the... Motor display is concerned. I also, for whatever reason, didn't really run any glitches with it. It ran fine for me. And in day-to-day -day use, I really don't have anything too too bad to say about it. I think for most people, the way they use phones, they would use this in 
never really have any issue. Um, you know, there, there were little glitches here and there on certain things where I couldn't tell if it was, you know, I'm running like the Phoenix 2 preview, which is a Twitter client, and I did have it one time kind of force quit on me, but it's in beta right now, so I'm more inclined to think that's probably the app and the phone itself. Mm. So really, I used it fully for a week and didn't run into any problems. I wouldn't say, you know, I'm kind of a weird user. I don't have Facebook, and I don't use Instagram, and I don't use Snapchat, which I think are like the three most taxing apps that people use. So wait a minute. You don't have Facebook. You don't have Instagram. You don't have Snapchat. And your phone somehow magically performs incredibly well? Shocking. Well, and this is, this is I mean, Chrome's a little bit heavy. I do use I did use Chrome on this phone, mm-hmm. and, and I know that can be a little bit of a resource hog sometimes, but... It's definitely Facebook, that's for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, those apps seem to be like the, you know, main culprits, and whenever people bitch about the performance and battery of the phone, they almost always have those apps. I don't, so my Android app phones have treated me pretty well, and this was, you know, no different. For most people, the performance is more than adequate for anything they're going to throw at it. And, you know, even the delta between this and, like, the flagship phone performance, and I've used the OnePlus 5, and I obviously have the Galaxy S8 Plus, and those are both Snapdragon 835 phones, and I've used the Pixel, and that's, you know, an S821. I would say, yeah, you can tell that they're quicker at some things, but for most people, the difference is, like, super negligible, and certainly it's not worth spending multiple hundreds of dollars necessarily step up in performance. In terms of the Galaxy S8 Plus, for sure. And where it ranks in terms of value and compared to the OnePlus 5, I think we'll touch on a little bit later on in the review. Um, one other point that I did want to make, the Verizon variant that we received as our review unit is the 3GB of RAM, 32GB of storage model. There is an unlocked version, which is coming, which will have 4GB of RAM and 64 gigs of storage. Um, that additional gig of RAM may or may not make a difference. Android doesn't necessarily take advantage of that, but there are many, um, many published videos that are out there right now and, and stories on websites that you could read that would tell you that the eight gigs of RAM in the high end one plus five makes a huge difference in terms of app loading and memory. So, um, if you have the extra cash and if you were looking to purchase this, uh, device, the 464 SKU might be something that you'd want to look into. So, For the record, I never ran any problems running apps or anything else with the 3 gigabyte variant. So. And neither did I. Um, I think if, depending on where we're talking about, the price point is, uh, again, you know, if you can afford it and the 464 SKU is, you know, 50 bucks more or something like that, might be worth looking into. It would be for me. Whether or not it is for you, Joe, average user, that's up to you to decide. What do you think about the camera? I think the camera is fine. Um, I think when you're looking at the main differentiators between like the super high-end phones and these mid-tier phones like the Z2 Play is, the, the biggest things that kind of stand out to me at this point as being, you know, noticeably different are the camera quality and then like, you know, the IP rating. Uh, the mid-tier devices don't tend to have cameras that are quite as good and they don't tend to be, you know, IP rated. Water um, dust resistant of any kind. Yeah, Although it, Motorola does say it has a water repellent nano coating, so you can take that for what it's worth. So to me, the camera is kind of no different um, than most flagship phones in that in normal light, it takes pretty good pictures. Uh, everything seemed to focus pretty quickly. It took pictures fast. The pictures turned out pretty punchy for the most part. I think the processing the Motorola is using is pretty aggressive. If you really start to zoom in on things, you can see kind of a little bit of artifacting where it's you know really working the image over. Um, in lower light situations, as is typical with a lot of phones, it 
struggles a little bit with focus and some other issues. Uh, this is a 12 megapixel camera with a 1.7 aperture, so it actually lets in quite a bit of light. It does not have OIS, however, and so, you know, what I said in my written review is the pictures to me are very usable. Again, if you compare them with the highest end phones, I think that the higher end phones, you kind of get what you pay for to some extent in this department, and in lower light, the pictures look better. But if, realistically speaking, you're just kind of going out with your friends and you're taking pictures at night that you're posting to Instagram or Facebook, this camera does the job. The other thing is this, I think if you, like, phones have gotten so good now that we're getting really picky here. If you went back and you compared this phone to flagships two years ago, for instance, I wonder how it would do. That's a I, good bet point. It, I bet it would do fairly well. And at the time, it was like, oh, wow, these pictures are amazing. And I think this could probably match it in some ways. So we're a little spoiled at this point. To me, though, if you had this camera as your daily driver and you were running around taking pictures in your everyday life, I think for the most part, you wouldn't be let down. And I tend to agree. Um, I found detail to be good uh, in good light. In fact, I took some really uh, quite excellent, I would say, um, photos. Uh, there's a macro shot of a flower I took up close, which it really kind of impressed me with the quality of the image uh, indoors and in lower light. And I took several sample photos in kind of what I like to call the gloaming, which is that period right right after the sun has set, but it's not quite dark enough to actually be nighttime, um, twilight, I guess, if you will. And uh, it because of the lack of OIS, focus for me was a problem. So I had to take several photos to get one that actually focused correctly. Uh, indoors was also kind of hit or miss, and I think that could also be a little bit of a light situation. Um, when it worked, it worked very well, though, and the images that were produced were, were just fine. And I kind of tend to agree with your point that if we compared it to a, a camera from two years ago, we might not notice the difference as much. And I guess, you know, again, recency bias being, unfortunately or fortunately, the Moto Z2 Play is coming up against two of maybe the greatest mobile smartphone cameras ever in the Galaxy S8 series and in the Google Pixel series. So some of that is um, computational photography. So Google's post-processing algorithms help that a lot, in fact. So, um, and I think you noted in your written review too that maybe the software as it improves could also take a little bit better advantage of the Z2 Play's camera hardware. And, you know, I, we keep talking about this. I think I gave this one a three and a half. In fact, I know I did. I can't remember what I gave the OnePlus 5. I probably gave it a three and a half or a four, somewhere in that same ballpark. But OnePlus made this huge dog and pony show about their camera. And if I were putting the pictures from the OnePlus 5 when I had it, kind of on the initial firmware taking pictures versus the pictures the Z2 Play took, I would say they're fairly comparable in a lot of ways. So, you know, I... Just eyeballing it, I would say probably, yeah. So, you know... OnePlus really went out of their way. They partnered with the ExoMark. They did all of these things, and the camera was like the main thing. It has dual cameras, and I would say in a lot of ways, this phone probably matches what the OnePlus 5 can do right at this moment in time. So it's, it's you know, again, it's hard to judge these things, right? Like, I always, you know, I think I'm guilty of this. Like, I want to judge them based off of the absolute top. It's like, you know, but that would be like reviewing a Ford focus and comparing it to a Ferrari to some extent. Yeah. And, it, you know, taking it in and of itself in a vacuum, I just feel like the pictures that it takes by and large are good. I think people would be happy with this camera. Yeah, I think we're, we're back at a point where, again, smartphone cameras are really, really good overall. And for what we're using them for, most cameras are going to take just fine pictures. And you know what? If you're in a freaking coal mine, you probably shouldn't be taking your phone out and taking pictures anyways. You should 
probably be trying to find your way out of the coal mine. Um, using the flashlight on the Moto Z2 play, which works very well. And they have that uh, chopping gesture to turn it on, which I kind of like too. So, good times. Probably, at least for me anyways, I'll say, not even probably, I'll say definitely. Our, our next point is where the Z2 play really shines for me, and that's in the area of battery life. Uh, I'm giving it a 5 out of 5, and I mean this quite honestly when I say that with light to moderate use, getting two days or at least most of two days out of a single charge would be a simple, easy thing to do. Um, if you're just somebody who's doing some light web browsing and I use this phone in lieu of my daily driver for the vast majority of about five days, I stream podcasts to it. I watch YouTube TV on it. I watch regular YouTube videos. Um, my typical day consists of about an hour of video content streaming, about two hours of podcasting. Uh, or podcast listening and occasionally taking a few photos, making a phone call or two and sending, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 50 to 60 text messages. And every single time I did that, I was able to get through at least a day and a half. And sometimes I was really pushing it hard to get through the day and a half. Got over five hours of screen on time every single day that I used it. And again, that was, I was putting it on the charger with probably, eh, 25, 30% of the battery left. So uh, I think the battery life is actually quite good. And there were some concerns about the reduction in battery capacity initially. And while those are probably valid concerns, I don't find, at least in my experience here in Southern California, that the battery life suffered from that at all. What did you experience? So last year we crowned the Moto Z Play, the predecessor to this, the battery life champion in our little awards uh, pod you know it kind of the it's kind of legendary for the snapdragon 625 plus the at a 35 10 mAh battery for being able to do you know routinely eight to ten hours of screen on time my uncle actually has one and he says the battery's essentially impossible to kill during a day you can't kill it um and with this again with the reduction in battery down to 3000 mAh i was you know a little bit concerned that it wouldn't do quite as well but those concerns were completely unfounded. I would also give this a five out of five. The battery life's insanely good. Um, my usage is a little more bizarre than yours. Typically during the week, I would say I only average probably an hour to an hour and a half of screen on time, but I stream music and podcast during day at work for probably, you know, three to five hours at a minimum. Mm. So my usage patterns are a little bit different. And then I actually talk quite a bit on my phone at night, usually an hour a night minimum. So um, I know that's weird in today's uh, age, but you use the phone to talk on it. What? But but this phone is. I mean, the first day I purposely went out of my way. I was on vacation this week, and I used only this phone for everything. And I did seven hours and twelve minutes of on-screen time, or maybe even a little bit more than that, and still had twelve percent battery life. That's freaking fantastic. So, you know, what more can you really say? For me on normal use, when I was going back to kind of normal and not beating the crap out of it, so to speak, I was easily kind of, you know, getting through the day with something like 60-70% of the battery life. So if you extrapolate that out, it wouldn't be too difficult to go probably two or three days. Um, the battery life's stellar. Uh, it's the phone with the best battery life that I've ever used. 
I agree. And I think that in today's day and age, I mean, obviously it's got a full HD or 1080p display instead of the quad HD displays that we're used to. Um, it's got a very power efficient version of the Snapdragon processor and it's a 14 nanometer process means that you're, you're really maximizing what you're getting out of the size of that battery capacity, which quite honestly, for as thin as the phone is, 3000 milliamp hour, pretty much the same that's in my Pixel, and this phone lasts a lot longer. Now there are a lot of different reasons for that, but it also isn't, I don't even remember what it is, like seven millimeters thick, 7.2 or something like that? I think it's like six that. something. Yeah. But, I mean, this is one of those things where I almost wish, and, and they're not the only ones guilty of this, it has this like wicked huge camera hump, <laughs> and if they had made it literally a millimeter, two millimeters thicker, and just filled that all in with batteries. So this had like a 4,000 milliamp hour battery or like a 4,500 milliamp hour battery. It would be a world beater. I mean, you would literally be back to like the feature phone days where you could probably go like a week without charging this yeah. phone. Yeah. And I almost wish they would swing for the fences and do something like that because as, a, as an end user, I think that would be something where people, it would really get people's attention. Absolutely. And in an era when you're trying to differentiate your product with a singular feature, I think what Moto is attempting to do is do that with the mods and that modular ecosystem or that module ecosystem. Um, but I think people probably would have a significant, it would resonate more with battery life because I think that's a huge pain point for modern smartphone users uh, who are basically only getting a day or sometimes less out of their phone. Well, like psychologically from an advertising standpoint, it's like if I tell you, you can easily get through a day, you're pretty stoked. And if I said, you could probably get through two, you're again, probably very happy. But imagine if they actually did that and the advertising was, you can use this for a week without charging it. I mean, that's unheard of in the yeah. smartphone world. Nobody would believe it, first of all, until people started using it. And then if it actually met those claims, that would definitely be something. Yeah, still. Battery life's amazing, best I've ever seen. Very good. And if that is your primary focus, if you need something that's going to last you for a good long time, then you should probably give the Z2 Play a good hard look. Um, and in speaking about giving the Z2 Play a good hard look, basically we use the last point of our review, um, which is called the value point to talk about whether or not we would really recommend this or maybe even would we consider purchasing it for ourselves. Uh, I had a really hard time nailing down what I thought of as the value, so I'm gonna let you go first. Oh, that's generous. <laughs> I put the value as 3.5 out of five. Um, first of all, there's a couple different price points, so it makes it a little hard to, to kind of narrow this down. Verizon is charging effectively $408 for this phone as kind of their full price. The unlocked variant is $499. Um, at $499, this phone's too expensive. It's not that it doesn't do a lot right. It does. It does. Um, it's a very well-rounded device. Like There really isn't a huge area of weakness that I can like, narrow down. I, I think Point in most areas, say, yeah. it's, it's very solid. Um, I would say it's average to above average for display, design, camera. Uh, I would say it's way above average in battery life. Um, performance is probably also in that average to above average category. So in all the main areas that matter to me, it, it hits all those points. Um, the problem is it, we don't live in a vacuum, and you have a lot of other options in this price range. 
like the six gigabyte, sixty-four gigabyte, one plus five variant, which is four hundred and seventy-nine dollars. You have the Huawei Mate Nine, which is now permanently dropped down to four hundred ninety-nine dollars. Very recently, this done. Um, yes. And then you have other phones like the LG G Six, which you can routinely find new on carriers now for like five hundred dollars. LG is going to be giving those phones away here pretty soon, but it is it. it it has a lot of competition at the four ninety nine price point. Yes, absolutely. And that's basically my hesitancy in in recommending it at that price point. I feel like there's other things on the market that, if it were me, I would look at first. Um, and chiefly amongst them are kind of the ones that I just laid out. I think I would probably personally buy any of those three phones: the One Plus Five, the uh, G Six, or the Huawei Mate Nine before I would buy this phone at four ninety nine. Um, on Verizon at four hundred eight dollars. It's a lot more palatable to me. Um, There's still other options that I would probably look at, but this would be towards the top of that list, I think, in that price range on Verizon. When I was looking on Verizon at kind of the full price options, that's actually not a terrible price for them. And if your chief concern is battery life, this would probably be my pick. You know, if, if someone said, hey, above all else, I value battery life, this is the phone for them. Um, more recently, like this weekend, Verizon had a sale where the phone effectively became $120 over the course of two years through bill credits. At that price, it's a steal. I don't know how often Verizon's going to be running uh, a deal like that, but like, literally at that price, it's a no-brainer, and I would recommend it far above anything else. So the value really comes down to how much are you paying for it. Where you and at, at 500 499 it's too much for me. At 400 it's... It's something I would take a look at, but it wouldn't be necessarily the front runner for what I would recommend. Um, but if you start getting into that, you know, at $120 again, it would be it's a no-brainer. I would say buy this phone, um, and, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's it really is well-rounded and good. It just I, I during the course of the week I kept coming back to the inescapable like conclusion that it's just too expensive, and the unlocked price particularly worries me. I think at four ninety nine it gets passed over a lot, and that's too bad because it's an excellent phone. My guess is over the course of the next few months it'll drop down to three ninety nine pretty quickly unlocked. Could be. And at that price, sixty four gigabytes, four gig of RAM, everything else in the package. You know, I take a long hard look and wouldn't hesitate to recommend it. And that's kind of where I'm at. The only sticking point for me in reviewing this device was the price. It doesn't do anything. Uh, exceptionally well, with the exception of battery life, obviously, as we've already discussed. But it it is a little bit, it's priced a little bit too high. Now, caveat to that, and I'm going to ask a question before I continue, but the Mate 9 is GSM only, right? Correct. Okay. As is the OnePlus 5. So if you are on Verizon, those two phones aren't necessarily an option. So really, its primary competition would be a sale uh, or the straight-up price cut of the LG G6. And honestly, I think I'd agree. I, I think I would have to take the G6 over this if they were comparably priced, uh, simply because it does a few things better. The camera is superior, and you do get IP68 or is it 67? 68, and you get you know the full, the 18.9 full screen, 5.7. Full vision. Insert marketing from LG here. I love the G6. I think it's an underrated phone. So, if if the two were equivalently priced, I would buy the G6. But at $100 less, if I'm just someone looking for a really solid phone, it becomes a bit more difficult. Yeah, and certainly the G6 is a very fly phone. 
Don't shake your head at me. It's a good joke still. Dear Lord, please make it stop. The, uh, the, the, the real value for me, and I have two, I have two numbers written down here, a 3.5 or a 4.5. And that becomes solely based on whether or not you're a Verizon customer or not. If you are, and you can get this somewhere between $120, which is an amazing, and you should, I would buy like three of them at that price. Yeah, ridiculous. Very ridiculous. Um, if you can get it somewhere between $120 and $400, I think it becomes a really good value, and that's where the four and a half uh, number comes in. If you are not on Verizon and you're considering buying the unlocked version, I think it drops down to a three and a half and maybe even a three, depending on whether or not you're comfortable buying something like the Mate 9 or the OnePlus 5, both of which may be arguably superior in a couple of different ways, but come from different sources. So like if you're buying them, you're buying them directly from the manufacturer and you're not going into a Verizon store uh, or any other kind of store for that matter, and buying the phone, you'd have to order it online, have it shipped to you, and then get it set up yourself. So if you're comfortable doing that, then you know probably the one plus five might be the the better value at that point. Um, but it's strictly a numbers game for dollars and cents at a certain price point. I think the Z2 Play is a very good value, and I think at a higher than that price point, i.e., higher than four hundred dollar price point, um, I think it becomes an okay value. And and I would probably put it a little bit down, you know, maybe three, four on the list of phones I'd recommend at that point. Yeah. And, and here's one thing we haven't touched on, which is the Moto Mods, which Motorola was kind enough to supply. We got a wireless charging cover, um, an extended battery cover, and then the JBL speaker cover as well. And, and this is a big part of their push for their phones is these Moto Mods. Um, Sean and I have discussed this in the past. I still think that as far as modular phones go, their solution is the most elegant that I've seen. It's very good. And we have yet to see things like Essential or potentially even the Red solution to this. But I think of the other two that were out recently, LG's version and Motorola's version, Motorola's version destroys pretty much everything else. And it is. It's an elegant solution. But the mods... I get the impression that the adoption of the mods hasn't been great, and I don't think it's a huge selling point, and here's why for me. As I was using the mods, all of them snap on easily, and they all have, you know, a certain amount of use. But, like, the wireless charging mod adds a little bit of thickness, and it's something that's built into other phones, and it it feels like one of those things where it's like, okay, this should just be built in. Um, now, on most mid-price, mid-tier phones, it, they don't have wireless charging, so it's nice to have the option, but to me, it's just not something that I think I would ever use. It's really not that much of a chore to plug in a USB Type-C, and especially with how good the battery life is. It's like, you probably only have to charge this thing every other day anyway. And the same goes for the extended battery pack. When you have the extended battery pack on, again, you could probably go a week without charging this damn phone, but it really makes it thick, heavy, and kind of unwieldy. And I couldn't help as I had it snapped on that, you know, if they had just extended the depth of the phone to be equal to the battery hump and built in the a bigger battery natively, it wouldn't be nearly this kind of unwieldy. You could still use a case and you would get that excellent battery life. And then the JBL speakers is kind of the same deal. I snapped the JBL speakers on and it sounds pretty good. But the phone becomes almost useless as a phone at that point. You have this big, thick device. Um, The mod itself is fairly expensive. And again, if you want to use a case, you can't. So the mods are a really good implementation of something that I just don't think I need in a phone. And that was what I kept coming back to. It's like, 
the mods themselves are fine, but they're kind of pricey. The extended battery and the wireless charging, I feel like, are something that you could easily have dealt with just in the design of the phone. And with the JBL mod, I feel like you'd be better off spending that money on a dedicated Bluetooth speaker because it just makes the phone kind of unwieldy. And for me, I really, you know, treat my phones pretty well. I want to keep them in good shape, which means using a case. And you can't use a case when you have the mods on. And the mods in and of themselves, yeah, they give the back a little bit of protection, but they give no side protection and very little in the way of drop protection. So, you know, it's kind of an either or proposition of using the Moda mods or using a case to some extent. And to me, I, I, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, the the use case for the mods for me does seem to be a little bit like Motorola is, is trying to diversify and and increase revenue streams by aggressively or partially aggressively pricing the phones and then trying to make up for it in the accessory section. So instead of just making a bunch of cases, they're making making different things that add the different functionality. And for me, the the Sound Boost 2 JB, JBL Sound Boost 2 mod is kind of the standout for this. So I thought the same thing, basically. Like, it's great to just be able to slap a speaker on the back of your phone, but one, you can't use it with a case on, so that prohibits the usage of it somewhat. And two, for me, the, the use case for it would really be like, oh, hey, I'm going to you know somebody's backyard barbecue, or I'm going to the beach, or I'm going to a party, and I want to just throw on some of my you know groovy tunes. Now, what's the other thing that people do with uh, you know their phone when they're at parties or they're at barbecues or they're at you know the beach? Well, they want to walk around and want to take pictures with their phone. Having this giant stereo pack attached to the back of it, which in a vacuum I think is fantastic, just isn't really super practical. Your hands are dirty. You're going to get the fabric of the speaker dirty. It's it's going to be in your way when you're trying to take pictures. And I just I found that the use case for me just wasn't there. And I agree. I, I found the phone itself to be exceptionally well balanced and fit better. And and I wanted to use it more when the style mod with the wireless charging was built in. But again, if they had just made the phone that thick to begin with and put a wireless charging coil on the back of the rear of the device, could they have accomplished the same thing? Probably yes. And the fact that they didn't and that they put it broken out into these different mods uh, and the turbocharging battery pack that we received, while I really did like kind of the black rubbery uh, ballistic nylon texture of it, uh, I found zero use for this for me. I agree with you that I would just rather plug it into a USB-C port. They have the Moto turbocharging, which allows it to rapidly charge back up. Um, so that particular mod for me doesn't doesn't really do anything that I can't get from just using what's supplied inside the box. So I think it's a, a good implementation of an idea, and I think we've mentioned this on previous pods. It, the mods here are kind of solving a problem that nobody really had to begin with, and that in and of itself is a problem for Motorola, which is probably part of the reason why these mods aren't selling as well as they had hoped. Yeah, I mean, and even worse to some extent, like the Moto Z2 Force just got announced. It did. And the battery capacity got cut from 3,500 to 2,730. Yeah, it's very much reduced. And I've read a bunch of editorials saying this is just a cash grab. It's a way to kind of force migrate users to buy battery packs and some of these other things to kind of boost the bottom line. And I'm not sure if I'm so cynical that I agree with that completely, but it's just one of those things where most of the most of the mods 
I can think of a... Uh, all three that we have, you could build in wireless charging and put in a bigger native battery, and for the JBL, you could buy a Bluetooth speaker, all of which I think would be a better solution than the mods themselves. So, um, you know, Motorola's implementation is really good, and I like that they did something different and tried this. I agree with you, though. I think it's solving a problem that no one really has. And that's unfortunate because I think in a lot of ways, especially when you're looking at it from the value prop of $499 to start, and then you say, oh, it's going to be another $80 to give you the speaker, or it's another $40 to give you the turbo battery pack, or $40 to add uh, wireless charging to it. Um, all of those things would add up relatively quickly and really price you to a point where, yes, you're getting some additional functionality, but... I think at you know six hundred and fifty dollars or six hundred dollars if you added in a few mods and you know a case, uh, I really think it just is super hard to justify spending that much money on this particular mid-tier device, uh, even though it is uh, you know very solid, well-rounded, performing device. It just it it suffers from an unusually high price tag. I think Motorola again would be better off. Um, pricing it either where it's at and putting some of this functionality built into the device or dropping the price a little bit and then making the mods a little bit more attractive thereby because if you could get the package for you know maybe throw in a mod for free or or uh, you know if you you bought one you know style cover or buy the JBL sound boost mod you get you know a style cover for free or something like that if you got it as a package for $525 I think it becomes a much more attractive uh, proposition at that point one more issue with the mods it forces Motorola to keep recycling the same form factor, which basically means they're married to this five and a half inch 16.9 screen with pretty healthy bezels. They've already guaranteed that the mods will continue to work with at least one more generation next year. And I'm trying to figure out when I read that announcement today, what they're going to do to maintain competitive balance next year. Mm -hmm. Because this form factor is fine. As I said, when you're using it, it's, it's not really a problem, but if you compare the Z2 Force that just came out that's using basically the same form factor, five and a half inch screen, and it looks very similar, to the LG G6, the GS8, um, the soon to be released iPhone that's coming out with minimal bezels and kind of everything else, it, it really is starting to look dated, and next year I think it's gonna look extremely dated comparatively. So they need to figure out a way to, to make their phones, you know, I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm looking at this, and it's like, I guess they could go 18 and 9 and just have a, a pretty large side bezel. But this is another downside to the mods. It really limits what you can do with the form factor of the phone, and that's another pretty large negative to me. Yeah, it would be, it will be, I guess I should say, very interesting to see what Moto does next year to make sure that they can contain the integrity of the mods. And a side note, all of the mods, the first generation mods that came out last year, will work with these phones and vice versa. So you could probably save yourself a little bit of cash by buying the older version of the mods. Um, but I will be interested to see how Moto maintains the form factor for the mod usability uh, and, and puts their phones out in a place where they can, can be competitive in the marketplace with other phones that are futuristic or much more modern, I guess, in design. So um, we covered the five points. We covered the hardware. We covered the performance. We covered the camera. We covered the battery life. We covered the value. We covered the mods. What would be, if you had to summarize your experience with the Moto Z2 Play, what would you say? One or two sentences? Very pleasant. It's a really well-rounded phone. 
if not for the price, it's a no-brainer recommendation. I, that would be my synopsis. And I think I agree. And in terms of value, I, I keep coming back to the price, but if you're on Verizon and you're in the $400 price range, the Z2 Play is a solid choice. Those not on Verizon have a few other options that they probably should consider before pulling the trigger. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with that. I think there's a totally fair assessment. So anything else we need to say before we wrap it up? No, thank you again, Motorola. And I, I again, to all you guys listening, I hope this doesn't come off as too critical because this really is a really well-rounded phone and does a lot of things well and doesn't really have too much in the way of, you know, negative um, characteristics. So it's just a very competitive landscape and there's a lot of things out there. And, you know, when you're grading it by itself, very nice phone. When you're looking at the alternatives, uh, there can be a case made for others. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, again, also want to thank Motorola and their marketing affiliates for allowing us the opportunity to review the device as well as the mods. And uh, we will have not only this podcast up, but our full written review will be available at silicontheory.com. So make sure you head on over and check that out while you're there. Hit the social links. You can check out our Twitter feed and our Instagram feed. We are at Silicon Theory. The link to the YouTube channel is there. We'll have some additional video content coming soon. But thanks for listening. And we enjoyed our time with the Moto Z2 Play. And we're looking forward to doing some additional Motorola products here in the next uh, next little bit or hopefully in the very near future. So enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll talk tech soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night.